Hey, Chicago, what do you say? This is the CHGO Cubs podcast. Welcome, Cody Delmendo, Ryan Herrera, Luke Stuckmeyer, still out. Still miss you. Uh, enjoy the time off, brother. Uh, hit that subscribe button if you're new here, or if you just haven't and you're here all the time, uh, hit the like button. I see all of you in the chat. Last night I was doing a Twitter space, uh, the old classic off-season therapy session, and someone said to me in the, in the space that the people watching right now, since the Cubs aren't doing anything, are just baseball nerds. And uh, I, I agree. For, all, for the lack of anything happening, for all of you to be here with absolutely nothing happening, I think you're all baseball nerds. So credit to you. I love you. Ryan, how you doing? Good. Good. I'm still trying to, you know, we have this big show plan. We're trying to yeah. look back at 2023, so I'm still trying to go. And they were, like, I didn't think, I didn't remember how long the list was. Yeah. Of just like highs and lows of this season for the Cubs, or, and not even just the season, like twenty twenty three in general. We're talking about you know preseason, spring training, and then now this yeah well, last few months, mm-hmm. um, they were a lot. And it's gonna be fun to go through them again. But like I'm still yeah. trying to get a so, good list of them. So yeah, we're today we're gonna look back at the entire year, not just the season, but like like Ryan said, like moments, uh, you know, signings, extensions, stuff like that. We'll go through the good and the bad, of course. It'll be like therapy in a way. Um, we're gonna look. At, we're gonna revisit our predictions. We did a bold prediction show back on January third. It was a remote show, and if you go back and watch it, at one point I'm very, very angry because we were remote and my internet decided to completely <laughs> flop, and I was very angry at the very end of the show. I cursed way too much. Uh, so when you get there and see how angry I am. I once again apologize, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was fun to look back at some of those predictions. Again, they were bold, so not many of them were correct, but they're fun to to laugh at now because a lot of them were really bad and some of them were good. So we'll look at those. Um, we we're gonna do that, and then uh, at the end of the show, we'll go through. There were like a preseason like farm system predictions from Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo from MLB Pipeline, and they have a lot of love for the Cubs, so we'll end the show with that. So I hope you all stick around because what else do you have to do on a Wednesday at 1.20 than to be here? So let us know your favorite uh, your favorite and worst – or your, your best and worst moments of 2023 in the chat. Um and again, send those super chats too. We'll make sure to read it. So I guess to start, we'll start with the predictions, the bold predictions. Uh, I actually went back this morning and I was doing this while I was on a treadmill uh, of putting them into Notion. Credit to you. <laughs> so yeah, credit to credit credit to me. Uh, let's. I guess we'll start with me since I'm the, I'm talking right now. Uh, my three bold predictions for 2023 were Justin Steele will pitch 180 innings. Uh, Jameson Tyone will be the Cubs' number one starter by the end of the season, and Say Suzuki makes the all-star team. So, Tyone did not live up to that at all. Yeah. Uh, so, that's probably my worst take. Say Suzuki, maybe things go a little different if he doesn't come into spring training hurt. Well, not go into spring training hurt, but he got hurt in spring training. Um, and Justin Steele was five innings short. He, I think he easily surpasses that if 
he didn't hit the injured list. Ryan's not going to give yeah. me credit for Te- that. Technically, you're not correct. Technically, you were te- wrong. Technically, I was I wrong. But okay. of all of the bold predictions, <laughs> it has to be one of the closest <laughs> ones, all right? I deserve a little bit of credit for that, all what right? What we're saying is you were wrong. <laughs> That's what we're Whatever. saying. Whatever. I say I'm, I'm saying I was right. I don't uh, care what anyone says. I, but I will yeah. say is – if, if uh, one might say I manifested, but I think a lot of us believe that Justin Steele was going to take a huge step in 2023, and he did. And we talked a little bit about that yesterday with the, you know, breakout stars graphic that MLB.com put out. So, yeah, that that's that. Um, Luke, since he's not here, I'll read his for him. Uh, he put Kyle Hendricks leads the team and wins. Kyle Hendricks ended up having a way better year than anyone expected, yeah. but I think Justin Steele ended up having more wins than him. Um, Brennan Davis makes his MLB debut. He it got hurt again. Did, did, not did not happen. And this is probably the other closest one. Cody Bellinger, Ian Happ, and Sei Suzuki combined for 70 homers. All three of them hit 20 plus. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think it ended up being like 67 or 68. So he came very close, just like I did about Steele in the inning. So, you know, Do you know who was second, actually? You were right with Steele for pitcher wins. Do you know who ended up second on the Cubs in, in wins in pitchers? I would guess Stroman. He was third with 10. Maybe it was Tyone, somehow, someway. It was not Tyone. I'll give you one more guess. What the hell am I missing? Uh... Drew Smiley? It was Drew Smiley with 11. He was 11-11. Because he had that great first two months of the year. Yeah, he did have a really, really good first couple months, but he finished the year second on the Cubs with 11 wins. Yeah. Um, Um, But for, yeah, Cody Bellinger, 26. Ian Happ, 21. And Suzuki, 20. So that's 67. Wow. So Luke also was not correct. He he was not correct, according to Ryan. But you know what? I'm willing to give him credit. No, go letter of the law. You were both wrong. (laughs) You're both wrong. Whatever. Numbers. Look at the numbers. Look at the scores, box scores. You guys were wrong. But I mean, I'm not. Me and Luke are not letting the facts get in the way of a good story. What else do we got? We got, um, we got Jer- Jared yeah, was we go. on. Thank you, Sarah. Jared, who will be joining us tomorrow, he was on that prediction show, and he predicted Cody Bellinger to hit 30 homers, which four short. Also, was close. Definitely um, wrong. Cody Hoyer to lead the teams and say the team in saves. I, he got hurt again, but he looked so good in AAA. I, who knows what his role would have been, but that you know obviously didn't come close. And then the Cubs are in a second wild, this the second spot of the wild card in the National League. Man, that would have that one should have hit. That one should have hit. Uh, pain. So he was. I mean, of all four of us, I would say he came the closest to. You know, he honestly two out of three were really close. Um, so yeah, you want to give yeah. us your three? All right, here we go. Uh, mine were probably the least correct of all. <laughs> of all these. Uh, As someone's sitting here telling us what's I mean, right, hey, and what's wrong. You guys were all, we're all wrong. None of us, none of ours <laughs> happened. Um, doesn't matter that one was more wrong than the other. But Dansby Swanson, when you're wrong, you're wrong. Thirty-five plus home runs not, did not happen. I think he ended up with like twenty-five, something like that. Yeah. Um. Hey, you never know. Yeah. Uh, uh, if he didn't get hurt, if he didn't get hurt for those like two weeks, oh, you never yeah, know what could happen. He would have gone on that home run. Um, yeah, I could streak. do that. I could do that too. Um, <laughs> Cubs pitcher throws a no hitter. Kyle Hendricks let, came let's close. be honest, like they were pretty close. Hendricks had seven and two third no hit innings in San Francisco. That was close. Um, didn't Stroman almost no hit? Stroman had a one hitter against the Rays. Like yeah. I don't remember when that one hit came, but he had a one hitter against the Rays. Um, Drew Smiley, seven perfect inning against the Dodgers. Like, you never know what happens. Uh, what was my third one? 
It was a, uh, a Cubs, Cubs finish ahead, ahead of the Brewers, Brewers in the NL Central that also did not happen. Now, re- that third one, and credit to me for giving you some partial credit in this, Ryan. All right, don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. When you said that, you said that the Cardinals were going to finish first, which they were the favorites going into next season. Um, but your thinking in that process was that the Cubs would finish second because it looked like the favorites going into last season were Cardinals, Brewers, Cubs. So theoretically, one might say you were right because the Cubs did finish second in the division, I believe. Mm-hmm. They just didn't finish ahead of Milwaukee. Yeah. So I'm see, I will I will you know give you some kudos, all right? You know what? And Fernando correctly points out, like no one predicted the summer of Mike Talkman. That's true. No one did. No one did. Um, that was a that was a hell of a summer. Yeah. So, uh, I remember watching the video and like people throwing in like their predictions in the YouTube chat and like there was one guy. I want to say it's Evil Wax who's in the chat every day. He was like, Wesneski wins Rookie of the Year and throws a no hitter or something like that. <laughs> and like we. I, when I think about like what some of the predictions that we all had going into 2023, like or hope, I guess like we were all so high on Hayden Wisniewski going into 2023, and I I wouldn't say it was a complete and order disappointment because he did have some good moments, but he certainly didn't really take control of the role the Cubs tried to give him. I mean, he was in the rotation yeah. opening day, you know what I mean. He didn't start the year in the minors. He had such a great spring training. Um, and, and he just, you know, I still have hope that he can be a, a, a guy, someone, in, if not a starter or a bullpen guy. I don't think he's going to be in the rotation next year based off how I think the Cubs are going to add to the roster this offseason at some point. But it was just fun to look back at some of the predictions and just think, wow, how wrong we all were. <laughs> how wrong we all were. Some of us were close. Yeah, um, we were close. Some just, of us. No, but th- there's a reason they're called bold predictions. Yeah. Okay. Like, we had b- bold. After that show, Gordon Whitmire came on our show like the next day, or maybe it was two days later, and we like you know if if anyone knows Gordon Whitmire, he is he is he is the pessimistic guy. He's the one who's always old man yells at clouds. Old man yells but he at is cloud. Uh, <laughs> and we read like one of our three bold predictions to him and he told all three of us that we were crazy i think there was one that he actually laughed at i don't know what it was i think he actually laughed at one of them like not like like not laugh out loud but like i think it might have been mine because he just he was like no there's no way that steel's doing throwing 180 innings or whatever i don't know but it was just fun to look no i think i i do like and i'll you know i did a um, last, I think it was actually on New Year's Day last this of twenty twenty three. I did a like twenty three predictions for twenty twenty three. A bunch of them actually did. Come, I think I was actually close to fifty percent in some of those predictions. Some of them were bold, some of them weren't, some of them were just silly. Um, but I did that, and those are always fun. I like. I think I'm not a great predictor of things, that's why I don't like to like. Oh, what will it take to get this trade or mm-hmm. to, to trade for this guy from this team? Because I'm like, I, there's just no. I have no idea. I don't, I don't know what the front office of that other team is looking for. That kind of stuff. Um, making predictions, especially in baseball, is just so hard because, as we see every single day, baseball just flips itself upside down, and, and what you think is going to happen 
never happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do enjoy doing those predictions. I'm going to do another. I'll do a 24 for 24 coming out in New Year's Day. So um, be on the lookout for that over at allchgo.com. But um, I do I do enjoy, especially the bold ones. I think the bold ones are kind of fun to, just to see how close you can actually be with those and how bold you can get, mm-hmm. but like still be kind of realistic. Yeah. No, I, we, we, uh, we'll do bold predictions tomorrow for like next year. And it's going to be tough because this roster isn't filled out yet. So I'm sure next year we'll, we'll all be even more wrong <laughs> in yeah. some form. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, uh, going through the YouTube chat and, um, uh, <laughs> Barb is not here. Barb is not here. But Gary says, bold prediction is the Cubs sign at least one major leaguer before the spring training. It's not LOL. bold, Gary. I don't think that's bold, Gary, but I get the joke. I, th- I, believe I, s- I believe the Cubs are the last team to like not sign a major league player this offseason still. Because I, th- I, I, I saw that on Twitter at uh, Bleacher Nation talking or saying that or something. Can't confirm. I just believe those guys are correct. They don't ever put out fake news. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, Godfather no. says predictions were needed a closer, needed a yeah. third baseman, needed a first baseman. Nothing has changed. Yeah. Well, well we, I would we, say things tried to change. It just didn't work out, right? Yeah. I mean, we'll have our prediction show mm-hmm. tomorrow as yeah. well. So we'll, we'll be able to get, get our... Yeah, 2024 predictions out before the new year, but right. shall we get to the best moments? I was say today was the look. Let's change at, the vibes. <laughs> today was our look at the uh, what happened in 2023. Before we predict 2024 tomorrow, today's the time to look back at 2023. Um, and I, I went back and looked, and I mean, the big signings didn't happen in 2023. If we're being honest, like the, the, unless something happens in the next few days, the Cubs will go through 2023 without a big signing mm-hmm. because they signed all the signings Stans like Ballinger, Ballinger Dan, James all December. Yeah, yeah all all December last December yeah um, I mean they had Mancini and Eric Hosmer like right around the trade deadline I think Tucker Barnhart might have come around the same time but then, you then, mean the like the like you, not you, trade deadline sorry uh, Cubs convention Cubs convention yeah, yeah. yeah so none of their like big signings actually happened in early 2023. We could celebrate the Mancini signing at um, Cubs Con. Yeah. So, but <laughs> I mean, if you want to get, you know, getting closer to the season, um, you know, spring training, there was obviously one big bad thing that happened, which we'll talk about, but getting towards the end of it. And I remember, you know, talking to Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins and, and some of those guys, Tom Ricketts, at in Mesa about some of the guys in the roster and, and who could be in line for extensions. And one of them, of course, was Nico Horner. He, if we're, to kick off the season, his deal became official, I believe, the day before opening day, March 29th. Mm-hmm. Nico Horner signed his extension. Um, Cubs lock. It was mostly just buying out arbitration years, but they do lock in their second baseman um, to, to pair with Dansby Swanson for the next, I think it's three years. Um, so I think that was a good starting point for the Cubs because you, you realize – how much they believe in Nico Horner and see him as a, a building block, a, find, a foundational piece uh, for this team moving forward. That's March 29th, Nico extension. Uh, it was that, a big was, deal, man. It was a big deal. It was a big deal because at the time, most of everyone here in this YouTube chat, me, hell, probably Luke, We, I mean, the Cubs hadn't extended a homegrown player in a while, man. They yeah. hadn't extended a homegrown player in a while. Um, we, we know the narrative related to 
the front office and everything like that. And I know it wasn't some massive extension that, you know, kept him here for a really long time, but it was still, they still bought out the arbitration years. And I think that sets a good precedent for him moving forward with the Cubs once that time ends and whether they bring him back when it's over or move on, maybe Matt Shaw takes over that spot. I I don't know. I don't know. But I just thought it was a big moment because the Cubs hadn't extended a homegrown player in a, in quite a while. And with the whole narrative behind not extending Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, it was it was one of those like whoa they actually did it type moments. Yeah, um, and no, there were some other ones that happened until this next one. But the one I want to get to is another Nico Horner moment, mm-hmm. April tenth. Nico Horner's walk off against the Mariners. You had the the big cowboy hat thing that happened right after oh, yeah. that. Um, but that was another one where it was like, like again we have talked on the show we talked on the show you know our first year 2022 about how good nico horner can be if he stays healthy uh if he c- continues to improve and develop obviously as he gets closer to his prime years and whatever like that nico horner could be a big piece for this team <laughs> and i think that i mean that was obviously very early in the season he had a lot more to prove the rest of the season mm-hmm. but that walk-off hit april 10th um like that was that kind of felt like nico's coming out right like everyone's like okay like this guy could be the real deal he may not be a superstar player for the cubs like their best player or anything like that but he's going to be a very good foundational piece for the cubs and i think that was that for me that was like the coming out day for him absolutely it was probably one of his biggest moments as a cub for sure yeah, and then something else happened the next day i'm sure you know uh yeah nelson velasquez hit the grand slam and the comeback against the mariners now the chat can complain about how they traded him for Jose Quas or the <laughs> fact that they just didn't play him. That's up to you. Um, yeah, it was one of the, it was probably like it felt like for the next few months that was like the biggest moment of the year. Uh, but in in the moment when he hit that grand slam, I just remember everyone. I remember feeling like it something like that was going to happen. Like you could feel the Mariners. Uh, blowing that lead like they yeah. they had led like seven to three or something like that or seven to four I, I don't know but the cubs made this huge comeback they, they go on to win against the mariners um i think the other big moment that defined the season from april from april at least mm-hmm. drew smiley's seven perfect innings on <laughs> april 21st against the dodgers it's probably his best moment as a cub like best game as a cub that sure. was the most unbelievable thing I think we saw all year. Like, really, like, it was yeah. not like Drew Against Smiley. the Dodgers of all teams. And, and we had mentioned it that Drew Smiley was he was pretty good for the Cubs the first couple months of the year. Obviously, his yeah. starts declined. He turned into a reliever and had some good moments towards the end of the year. But, like, this was right in the middle of, like, he was really good at this point in the year. But it was still the Dodgers versus Drew Smiley who just doesn't <laughs> like he has good stuff, but he's not the guy that's gonna yeah. that you'd expect to throw a perfect game. He, he really isn't. Uh, considering not many have been thrown in baseball history, Drew Smiley's not the first guy you think of when it comes to, to throwing perfect games. But he was on the money. He was striking guys out with that uh, that knuckle curve. He he, the Dodgers couldn't touch him. It literally took yeah a, a dribbler and then Jan Gomes jumping on Drew Smiley's back to get their first hit and end that perfect game. Yeah, I mean. Again, it was it was the Dodgers. It was a nice day out, even though it was like it was late April, but it was a really nice mm-hmm. day out. It was like the perfect baseball day for April. Yeah, and for that to happen, took I like Drew Smiley. It was mm-hmm. again. It was just I think the most 
I think it was one of the more unbelievable performances from any Cub all season, just because it's not the guy you'd expect that to happen to. So it was like, yeah. at that point, it was kudos to Drew Smiley for yeah. doing that because that was an. It didn't turn into a perfect game, but it was a great performance by him. Yeah. Our guy Mike Dubs in the chat. Oh, yeah, and then Gomes tackled him. <laughs> that, that's literally what happened. <laughs> that's basically what happened. Uh, we can move to May. Um, on May 8th, Morrell was recalled um, against the Cardinals. Yeah. He, I don't think he played that night, but he hit a home run the next day the next on day, May 9th. His season debut, uh, yeah. You know, as everyone remembers, I think people were clamoring for him to be called up earlier. I was one of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, so... And he had an insane April in, in Iowa, hit like 11 or 12 homers that month. Um, so it, it the Cubs offense de- desperately needed him back. He's, it was like he got called up and then he continued the hot stretch that he had. Um, and then the nah, let's see other moments in uh, May. Not a lot of good moments, but we managed to find some. Uh, Kyle Hendricks returned from the injured list after being out yeah. for what since June of 2022 or something like yeah, that. It was the end of June or early yeah. July. It was like 11 months basically. Yeah. That he was out. So that was May 25th. He made a huge return uh, just just to get back to you know pitching at the major league level. Uh, so that was that turned out to be huge for the season. He kept he was yeah. way better that this season than anyone expected. He was a big surprise. Uh, May 29th, Stroman the one hitter against the Rays. Yeah, as you mentioned, uh, yeah, like we mentioned, yeah, that that was another that was another of that might have been the best pitching performance of the year mm-hmm. against like we at that because at that point the Rays were I think the best team in baseball. They were the best still. team in baseball. The Cubs weren't playing well. Yeah, like <laughs> they they were still on that downswing of games. Didn't they like, win one to zero? It was a one, it was one hitter. zero. It was a yeah. one hitter, one zero game yeah. against the Rays on Memorial Day, and it was yeah. like at that point, we in the season we were talking about Marcus Stroman is the Cubs Cy Young candidate, and he was yeah. pitching like a Cy Young candidate. Yeah. I remember at that point, like he was the guy for the Cubs, and you know I think Steele was still starting to emerge as that like win day guy, mm-hmm. but I think at this point in the season, Stroman was the guy that you you were like, okay, he's out in the mound. The Cubs really have a chance to win today, mm-hmm. and he proved it against the Rays again, the best team in baseball at that point. Holds him to one hit. I, I don't remember exactly when in the game it happened. It might have been the seventh or eighth inning. Like it was later in the game, but just to hold a team that that at that point was looking like the World Series favorite to one hit, like that was that was definitely his high point of the year. That was the I think is still the Cubs' best pitching performance of the year. Um, and you know it didn't work out for the Cubs and Stroman obviously in the end. But that at that point we were sitting there like mm. the Cubs are going to do anything. Stroman's going to be the guy that lead them. Right. Um, let's do June and then we can go into, we got to do some ads. Let's do it. Um, so after May, June, it was kind of an up and down month, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but they got swept by the angels, but Morell sat during yeah. that series because he had been struggling. And I, I put that as like a high point because mm. after that he came out, I don't remember, I don't know what the stats were after, but I, he came out and looked like a different player. Not, yeah. not completely differently, but like his, it looked like his, um, you know, his plate approach had changed in a good way. He was still hitting with a lot of power, mm-hmm. um, but he was, you know, just better contact, better plate approach, better eye for the ball. It just looked like giving him a few days off had really, mm-hmm. and similar to another guy who I'm sure we'll talk about in, in, in a second, but, like, giving him a few days off, a little mental reset, working some things behind the scenes, um, even in a few days for a yeah. young guy like Christopher Morrell, who's as electric as he is, can really help a guy reset his mind. I think that's what we saw with Morella. But he sat, and again, like I said, they got swept by the Angels, but then that started a stretch of them winning 11-13. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it started with Mike Tockman being inserted to the leadoff spot, but Kyle Hendricks throws the seven and two-thirds no-hit innings against the Giants at on the road. In San Francisco. Mike Tockman makes that catch yep. in center field. Right. Uh, I don't remember when in that game that was, but there it's was. It's one that's forgotten because everyone think, remembers the one against St. Louis, but that catch he made at Oracle Park was, was unreal. Yeah, it was, it was a great <laughs> catch. And it was like – if Kyle Hendricks was able to finish that no-hitter, like, that was going to be the play, right? Mm-hmm. Like, every no-hitter feels like it has a play yeah. that is, like, the defining, like, defensive play behind it. Like, that was going to be the play because it was that. Again, and, again, he had he came back May 25th and then almost threw a no-hitter against the Giants know, right? just like two a weeks handful later. of days later, right? Um, so, yeah, the, they also – they had a – they won 11-13 in the month of June – Went to the London series, um, and then we'll get into more good moments in July. But, I mean, there were other moments in, sprinkled in there. Obviously, they won two or three against the Orioles, who yeah. I think at that point became the best team in baseball. Mm. They um, have they swept the Pirates twice. Yeah, <laughs> once on the road, once at home. Yeah. Um, there, there were some good moments in there, of course, but uh, yeah. so I think those are the ones that we'll get back it. to it here in a moment. Ryan, let's talk about Midtown Athletic Club and how it's like the th- you know one of the greatest places in the world to go to. Yeah, I, I mean – Anytime I get a chance to talk about Midtown Athletic Club, I like to do it because we've been there. It's awesome. Um, but so the, the, we went to one Midtown location. There's actually four in Chicagoland. You got Palatine in the northwest suburbs, Bannockburn in the north shore, Willowbrook in the southwest suburbs, and Midtown Athletic Club and Hotel in the middle of Bucktown and Lincoln Park. Midtown Palatine has launched actually a multi-million dollar transfer, transformation of the club, which will be com- complete in early 2024. So coming up soon. Um, listeners can lock in favorable rates if they join before the end of the year, and that's only a few days away, so make sure you're got, getting on there and checking it out. There's something at the clubs for everyone, whether you're single like me, whether you got a family and kids like Luke Stuckmeyer, uh, whether you're, you're, you're looking to make a lifestyle change or you're looking for holistic wellness, there's something at the club for you. Midtown Athletic Club, Midtown Chicago is the nicest fitness club I've ever been to. Let me tell you about some of its uh, the cool club features, super luxe locker rooms with wet and dry saunas and premium amenities, amazing outdoor and indoor pools and hot tubs. It's got a collection of boutique fitness studios with more than 100 classes per week included in the membership, and they're not just gym quality. The spaces are boutique quality. They got the best tennis courts and programming in the sport. Midtown has indoor and outdoor tennis, pickleball and pedal tennis, USTA professional quality all the way. So head over to midtown.com slash CHGO to find out more and to tour the Midtown Athletic Club nearest you. Absolutely. And while you're at Midtown Athletic Club, maybe you're in the sauna, maybe you're, you know, on the treadmill like I like to be. And when you're on the tread, treadmill like I like to be uh, when I'm at Midtown Athletic Club, uh, I pull up prize picks so that way I don't have to stare at the timer on how long I've been on there counting down the seconds, right? Log on to p- prize picks and then, you know, just kind of put something together and win some money. Uh, prize picks, the, late, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS if it's just you against the numbers. You're not playing against people. You're playing against the numbers like player prop picks basically instead of battling thousands of players including pros and sharks you pick more more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in like last night i should have taken the under on patrick williams uh points and rebounds and i was completely wrong uh 
that was not fun. But, you know, you can be smarter than me. But most people are. Um, Price picks is the most fun I've had winning up to 25 times my money this basketball season. Fact. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. So, for example, if you wanted to do, like I said, Patrick Williams, yesterday uh and maybe someone from a bowl game you know you could you can do that uh for you, you want to do chicago only you can do demar DeRozan shooting threes and dj more receptions okay you uh, football won their bowl game yesterday if anyone bet on that what was the bowl game called guaranteed rate bowl wow <laughs> incredible great game could have made a lot of money a big Just giant p- arrow pointing down pop tarts bowl or whatever it was. oh the pop tarts bowl That'd baby cool, actually um so uh you know PricePix even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. PricePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So if you had Cole Komet, perhaps, in your PricePix entry on Sunday – he got hurt after – well, he basically went over everything that he was projected for, uh, so you probably still won anyway. But if he hadn't and he got hurt, they won't hold it against you. It's a, it's a great addition uh, to why prize picks is awesome. So it's a really simple – you can make your pits, picks and submit the entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, all the good stuff, man. So go to prizepicks.com, ch and use – no, go to prizepicks.com slash chgo and use code chgo for a first deposit matchup to $100. Deposit $100, you get $100 in free bonus bets. That's basically what it is. That's prizepicks.com slash chgo and use code chgo when you sign up. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Okay. All right. So... Well, I was gonna say let's let's go let's go quicker through these. Yeah, we have moments. a very long list. We like went very in depth. There was there was a lot of. Like, we know July was a great month for the Cubs. That was mm-hmm. the month that their whole entire season changed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of great moments from it. I'm, you know, I'll mention, um, you know, the, the, you, you wanted me to talk about the Michaelis. Uh, uh, Ian Happ hitting. <laughs> was, it, was it Wilson on the backswing? Was he catching that Yeah, day? so Ian Happ, hitting he swings, the misses, hits the back, the backswing, hits Wilson Contreras. He starts bleeding, has to come out of the game. Yeah. And Miles Michaelis decides that. To throw at Happ. Throw at Happ. Not once, but twice. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to make this game about me. Yeah. And uh, then the Cubs proceed to pound the Cardinals 10 to 3. Yeah. But the, so, <laughs> so, but there's there's that. There's Stroman and Swanson getting their second all-star nods and still getting his first, which is great. Um, even on the 4th of July, Ian Happ throwing out guys at home in the 10th and 11th inning against the Brewers to win that game. Great moments. But I want to focus on like a couple of the ones that I feel really define the Cubs mm-hmm. season, like literally changed the course of the Cubs 2023 season. Um, you have the comeback versus the Nats on July 18th. They won like 17 to it was three. Seven, they were down 3 nothing, yeah. and they ended up blowing them out. But the day before, they had lost to the Nats, and you really sat there like, man, if they lose another game, like they're going to trade at the deadline. If they lose one more game, and then they won like eight straight, something mm-hmm. like that. Like after that, that game, they went on and started just beating everyone. And that started with the, the Nats weren't a good team, obviously. But to, they were down, and you're sitting there like, wow, like this is this is the end of the season for them. No, they come back, blow them out, and then we know what happened after that, obviously. But there was 
know, a couple moments that actually Jed Hoyer himself pointed to as mm-hmm. far as what flipped the switch. You have the five-run comeback against the White Sox on the south side July 26th uh, when they came back with, like, walks and errors and singles and, and like, nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the Sox kind of pitched themselves out of a win. Um, and then two days later in St. Louis, you have Mike Talkman's catch, which – it would have been a walk-off home run for the Cardinals. Instead, yep. it was a walk-off home run robbery by Mike <laughs> Talkman to give the Cubs a win. And that was the game that, you know, I think the Cubs had been leaning. After that that big winning streak, the Cubs had been leaning towards keeping their guys, not trading at the deadline, or not selling at the deadline, and maybe bringing in a couple acquisitions. And that was the game where, like, nail mm-hmm. in the coffin, we're going to go for it. That's yeah. That was when Jed in the front office decided, yep, we're going for it. And then three <laughs> days later... They trade for Jamer Candelario. That and then that was the moment where you're like, okay, the Cubs are actually going for it. Like, there's no more question about it. They are going for it. And they're trying to mm-hmm. win a division or win and make the playoffs. Whatever it is, yeah. they're they're not selling. They are going to go for it and try to make the and, playoffs that year. And I know things didn't work out, but I will stay stand on the hill that I'd rather the Cubs had tried to go for it because it's such a loser mentality to trade all those guys when you're right there with not only more playoff spots now. And with the, at that point, the division was still open. They were they were right there. So if they would have traded everyone, uh, traded Bellinger or Stroman specifically, mm-hmm. I would have been incredibly pissed off. Even if you had told me that they weren't going to make the playoffs, no. it was it, it was good experience to see guys like Nico Horner playing important games in September. Yeah. It was it was important to see guys like Christopher Morel. Uh, perform the way he did in September I know he struggled in August but he was great in September like to see them play in games that mattered to see them not have to go like do the whole song and dance of you know development yeah. development period and at the end of the year I think is huge and I know right now we still don't know what this roster looks like but I I think them doing that benefits them down the road more so than them trading Bellinger and Stroman for guys especially when yeah. the well, farm it, system is already as good as it is yeah one well, of something that Dansby actually talked about like just kind of getting that confidence from your front office, them showing you that they believe in you. Even it didn't work out. Obviously, the Cubs uh, fizzled out. They collapsed at the end, and we're not able to secure a playoff spot. But like, just showing the guys, especially the guys that are going to be here for mm. years, that you believe in them and you believe in the group, the core group. I think that goes a long way towards like building that confidence, understanding what they have in the clubhouse gelling the way that they this team felt like it gelled in 2023 like that goes a long way and yes they didn't make the playoffs but going for it starting to create that winning culture that like you believe in winning it's not always just like we need to sell because we're x amount of games below it's like no we believe that this team can can make it to the playoffs it didn't but showing that you have that belief starts to create that winning culture and that's what honestly july was that last couple weeks of july was that winning culture starting to be created and the them like literally reeling off win after win Mm -hmm. and Basically, playoff atmospheres at in mid July. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, August, uh, a lot of the you know a lot of the August was great. Um, you know, they won two or three against the Braves. I remember that series being at electric at Wrigley Field. Um, you know, obviously you had the 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 Crosstown Cup at Wrigley. Where actually, at the walk off. You mentioned the Braves series. Another moment that defined the season for me was that I think I believe that was the first game that Saya sat. Or it was the day before Saya finally set? Oh yeah, it was right yeah. there. It was it was either the day of the Braves game or that. I know that's when David Ross talked about sitting Saya, like mm-hmm. uh, whatever. He, I forgot the wording, but it was like, oh, he's we're gonna keep him out until um, he's in a place where he can help us win, kind of thing. Like that was that series or that game. One of those games was like, okay, we're gonna 
Like Seiya's gonna sit because I think he had already been sitting against righties the week prior, but that was when it became clear like Seiya needs that mental reset, needs that break. That defined the season because after that four or five game break, he came back and was one of the best hitters in baseball yeah. and carried the Cubs offense for a few weeks there. Like that defined the season for me because had they not done that, who knows where Seiya ends up in, in the rest of August and September Fair. by giving him that mental reset. He became the guy that he was at the end of the season. I think that was, yeah. that's a, that defined the season. Right. I think Morell's walk off is going to be something we talk about for years to come. That's and the thing was, is that he was really struggling in August. Mm-hmm. Um, but him hitting that walk off against the White Sox, that not only avoided them getting swept by the White Sox, um, but it was just, I think it's far and away the best moment of the entire season in terms of just excitement and <laughs> how how like the play like played out with him circling third base taking his jersey off and just like I mean we I we were there we were at the ballpark for our the takeover and I mean I the only thing that kind of sucks is like I wish that we could have been able to watch it on television while also being there at the same time because like I, I was losing my mind. It was it was a crazy moment. <laughs> I was losing my mind. I didn't even realize like him taking his jersey off round and third until after I watched a replay. It was one of the one of the coolest moments of the year for sure. I think it might have been the most electric moment. I think it was probably yeah. the most electric moment of the year like that. For sure. I mean, a walk. And that's what he does. Like, that's why I'm that so was, high on him. That's why so many people yeah. in the chat are so high on him. He just, he is another form of what Javi Baez provided for this team in terms of electricity and yeah. energy and all that shit. So, um, you know, Jordan Wicks debuted August 26th because of an injury, I believe. I think it was because of Stroman coming, uh, uh, inter- hitting the I.L., I want to say oh, this was way. This is well after the IL. So I don't. Uh, probably after they put Drew Smiley in the in the. Yeah, uh, it, it was it was though. they were switching things up. They mm-hmm. needed, and we got to someone. see him perform very well the last month yeah. of the year. Yeah, I, I think he he got, won that game against the Pirates when he debuted. Yeah, I want to he say. had a great. His major league debut was awesome. And his first month in the big leagues was great. And you know, it's mm-hmm. up to him to continue that. Like we we said it with Wasneski, he had a great first month in 2022, and then struggled mm-hmm. uh, in 2023. Did not hold on to the role that he was given let's see if Jordan Wicks can do that right I, I right. think we can sit here and say that the likeliest scenario is Jordan Wicks starts the season in the in the rotation mm-hmm. uh, like that or I don't think that's unreasonable to expect that um but it's up to him to right. to, to do that but like debuting right there at the end of August and having a good first month in the big leagues is obviously huge for him and just his confidence and his development um, Obviously, there's not a lot of good things from September. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned PCA getting uh, making his major league debut, I believe, in Colorado. I was out there mm-hmm. for that series. Um, that was just a moment where it he was made like, those two catches. Yeah, we know he he had his struggles the first in his first stint in the big leagues, but it was a moment that was like it was another one where like the Cubs were struggling, they were scuffling because um, like a few days prior they had. It was September 6th. They were 12 games over 500. They were like 93% odds to make mm-hmm. the playoffs, something like that. Then they started scuffling those next few days. And they, they got they lost three out of four to the Diamondbacks right after that. Yep. Um, and they needed something to kind of energize the lineup and energize the team. And bringing up PCA, which honestly he probably wasn't ready for, and maybe in different seasons he may not have um, gotten brought up. But to do that, to try to inject something into the team and help out in some ways that they needed the help, I think that was another sign that this team was serious about going for it at the end of the yeah. season. I think if they had sold off at the deadline, we probably would have seen PCA earlier. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, 
So I, you know, like, like I, you said, not a lot of not a lot of stuff from September, but you know, Swanson and Horner becoming uh, Gold Glovers and Hap again, and yeah, and Ian Hap, um, November fifth, that was announced, and then literally we didn't even really talk about that because <laughs> the very next day, Craig Council was hired the, on November sixth. That's that's a moment that defines twenty twenty three. But it will define the next five years for the Cubs. Yeah, well. that's like, definitely more of a future thing. It, but it was, I, we still sit here and like, how did that happen? Like, that just <laughs> happened. Like, I'm still kind of m- in shock that it did happen because right. it was out of nowhere. And so when we're talking about just overall defining 2023, not the season itself, but just the year 2023, that may be one of the biggest moments of all all of 2023 for the Cubs. Yeah. Game game or not, one of the biggest. So moments. I know the end of the year was tough, right? (laughs) But we went through a lot of good things, and we're going to go through the bad things here in a moment. But I think there's a lot that happened that, to me, even right now, with the lack of anything happening, and because I still have belief that things will happen, uh, there's a lot to like with the organization going into 2024. So... Uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you all how to fan, but that's how I feel because there were so many good things that happened, and I think they are on the right path in terms of developing a winning organization, a winning, uh, a winning team, um, and uh, sustained success. That's what we all want, right? Sustained success. I think that they are on that path. Um, there were again, September sucked, but I do think that there are good things on the way. We'll get to the worst things here in a minute. Let's do some ads. And let me tell you, guys, it's easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles. That's something we can all get behind for the health of the planet and for the well-being of all of us who share it. Yeah, the electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs as we all move with confidence toward an electric tomorrow, whether you have one delivery van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks. ComEd can help guide you to make the changes that make sense. So what should business owners do, Ryan? Go to comed.com slash clean to learn more about the resources, Cody. That's what business owners should do. Uh, Learn more about the resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you own a business, don't wait. Start making your plan today to switch to electric vehicles. Good for business, good for the planet, good for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean. I was reading the chat, Ryan. Did you say comed.com slash clean? Absolutely, Cody. That's exactly what I said. Comed.com slash clean. Go now and see how going electric connects us to a better way of doing business and a better future for generations to come. Well, I'll do that while I have some Goose Island. Yeah, I was going to say, you know what else is good for future generations to come is Goose Island. CHGO is supported by Goose Island Beer Company. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer since 1988. Take a look at that beer roster. The Cubs roster may not be looking as great right now, um, but we know the beer roster from Goose Island is amazing. Oktoberfest, the Beer Hug family, the 312 Wheat Ale, which is my Goose Island beer of choice, the Full Pocket Pills. Oh, if yes. Once I guess once we get back to doing beer bats and I miss them. I miss the, season, the beer bats. That would be Cody's yeah. uh, beer of choice, the Full Pocket Pills. Sarah? What's, what's your favorite Goose Island? I'm a 312 girl. There you go. Yeah. I just like the, it's easy to drink. Yeah. Tastes good. It's, it's, it's at every single event. Or, it's Old Faithful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. It's, at, it's at United. It's at, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. Um, so grab ultra fresh brewery exclusive beers at Goose Island's original brew house from their tap room on Fulton Street in West Town. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer. Gotta love it. One more thing on the positives, like the best moments, the, 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 the fun moments, the good moments from 2023. All I can say is that 
we definitely compiled a hell of a lot more for 2023 than we did for 2022. I remember when we looked at the best moments of 2022, we were like, oh, when Alfonso Soriano showed up at Wrigley wearing the hot yeah. dad summer shirt. All right. Yeah. Like there. Or like uh, the ice cream socials. The, yeah. yeah like eating ice cream. Like, yeah. We had to, the, having the, time to go get ice cream. How this, how this podcast did, did content in 2022 is one of the wildest things that I'll ever remember. But at least in 2023, the team itself was a lot more fun to watch. <laughs> that said, there were also bad moments because they didn't make playoffs, right? Yeah. Um, so, what, it's 208. We're probably going to have to move uh, some of the prospect stuff that we said we we're going to talk about to tomorrow. But let's go through it. Let's go through what we got. April. April is actually well, a good month. I was going to say pre April. If we're going back to the beginning of spring training, say oh. Suzuki's oblique injury Fair. and missing all of spring training, eventually missing the first few weeks of the season, like that was obviously a bad, a bad note yeah. to, to start the season. And it's a big reason why he wasn't the all-star that I was hoping or that I predicted, right? Uh, he did have a good May, but obviously, like we said yesterday, it was, he's had, he had consistency problems. But it obviously had showed early issues with the Cubs because they had m- multiple issues out in right field, whether it was Miles Mastroboni not diving for that ball in whatever game it was the first week of the year, Trey Mancini's, like, misplays in right field as well. Like, they... they it, they they could not find someone to play right field when Seiya Suzuki was out. And yeah. so that's something that I, I don't think they'll have an issue with next year if, knock on wood, Seiya Suzuki has to miss some time again. Um, but when you think about moments that kind of – I think you can look back and think, ah, maybe if they won this game, they make the playoffs. Michael Fulmer blowing that game against the Dodgers in L.A., Jamison Tyone actually pitched really well in that game, um, but Michael Fulmer blows it, and then I think in the ninth inning, uh, they lose 2-1, to one, so the offense didn't do shit in that game, uh, but they did lead. Uh, I think the Cubs ended up winning the series, but it was a game that you're like, you should have had it. Um, that was one of the more annoying moments of April. You think about that series against the Marlins at the very end of the month as well. That was very annoying. They, I think they want, they, they were all one, one run losses and they just yeah. couldn't muster enough offense. And that yeah. during that time, people were like, why isn't Mervis here yet? Why isn't Morell here yet? And it's because yeah. the offense was just sputtering. Honestly. Yeah. Well, and then back to the Fulmer thing that you, uh, I think that defined the season in that, they needed to find a new closer. Like yeah. he was supposed to be the guy that could be their closer. He had been, he had solid relief mm-hmm. numbers um, prior to them signing him, and it was supposed to be like, okay, this is going to be their veteran guy, their closer, and it just eventually figured it out, which is a good thing. Like as in, a in a middle different relief role, role, like yeah. high leverage guy, but be, he it did not work out as that closer. And there was that I don't remember what game it was in April, but there was that moment where he like talking to him about, it was either a blown save or just a bad outing or whatever mm-hmm. it was and talking to him in the clubhouse. And it was like that. He, I remember that quote. He was like, I don't know what's going on, but I better figure it out pretty damn quick mm-hmm. because it was at that point where it's like, if he continues to pitch bad in that role, he's not going to have that role any longer. And we saw it obviously, you know, Adbert was like goes on and takes that role for a while and succeeds. Julian Mayweather mm-hmm. has to take it on later in the season because Adbert gets hurt. But like that was Michael Fulmer's role to start the year, even though David Ross wasn't naming him the closer. But that was Fulmer's role, and he couldn't hold on to it. And I think that defined the season because they had to spend the first month trying to figure out the roles for the bullpen. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> I was reading the chat while you're saying all that, and there's a lot of sarcasm that's making me laugh. Uh, I guess 
May was an awful month, right? I think the month of May is a big reason why they didn't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, but moments that made me want to throw up, um, Wilson Contreras making his return to Wrigley for the first time, and he drove in the winning run against the Cubs in the first game of that series. I think the Cubs actually went on to win that series. No, actually, they did not win that series. They they lost two out of three. But as everyone remembers, Contreras standing on second base, like pumping up the crowd, like in a sarcastic, like, fuck you form. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of the more annoying moments of the year. Uh, May 15th, Bellinger gets hurt, making an incredible catch in Houston. Uh, in yeah. Houston. Uh, you know, we got to then start the summer of Mike Talkman, but at the at the time it was it was a brutal blow to the office yeah. for sure. Uh, two days later on my birthday, the Cubs blow a six to nothing lead against the Astros. Keegan my guy Keegan Thompson gives up the lead. It was one of the more I want to forget my birthday, my thirty second birthday ever. Uh, was that your first uh, or was that your worst birthday? It's of of recent memory for sure. It was like it was almost like I. <laughs> it was almost like I deserved it because the year before Morel hit it, like it was yeah. when Morel made his major league debut and hit that homer in his first at bat. And Hughes, yeah, He's and Brandon Hughes, debut. right? So it was like that. I. So maybe next, like next year when I turn thirty three, it'll be a little bit more even. Like maybe yeah. the Cubs just win and there's no incredible moment, right? <laughs> um, May twenty eighth, it was one of the worst series of the year. The Reds come into Wrigley and just sweep like they own the Cubs yeah, at Wrigley. That, Cubs. And that's like when Elie de la Cruz and Matt McClain, all these young guys coming up for the Reds and they were just lit on fire because no one knew who they were yet. Mm-hmm. They came to Wrigley at the absolute wrong time uh, for was, the yeah. Cubs, at least. That was a very bad series. Very and then obviously series. got worse a couple weeks later when they got swept in uh, Anaheim by the Angels. Mm-hmm. They fell to a season low, 10 games under yeah. 500. And you're sitting there like, yep. there's less than two months till a trade deadline. What is this team going to do? Like that, right. they, that was the point where you're like, mm. how is this team not going to sell the trade deadline? I was I was at a point where I was like, man, I'm done. This The, the season's over. Um, waving the white flag. I'm and and then they proceeded to win eleven to thirteen after that. But uh I remember one of those games in Anaheim, Mervis was playing first base and he had a crucial error that cost them the game. Like it was like that that's how bad they had been playing over that little two week stretch where like m- like mental errors, defensive errors, and it's like, dude, this team's supposed to be built on defense. What are we fucking doing? Um and so, yeah, they were, that was some of the worst baseball of the year. It was, like, from the mid to late May all the way into, like, that first couple weeks of June, I felt like they, they were not playing well. It was, it was that point. Again, it was that point where you're like, wow, this team Sucks. doesn't have it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like, but, but I think we even still sat here, and we're at the point where we're still saying, like, this team shouldn't be this bad. Like, this yeah. team is better than what they're showing out there because yeah. they have – better talent than what right. the, than what's what we were all like pretty surprised there. that it was as bad as it was yeah and obviously we were a little surprised that it yeah. got as good as it did because right. it was a complete 180 in the season and so like i think it's kind of one way it defines the season is the fact that there were a lot of highs like we talked about for the first half of the show and then there were a lot of lows like there was no middling ground with this team they were either the like best that. team on the planet or the worst team on the planet yeah. <laughs> um Another moment in June that I think 
<laughs> a lot of people remember and want to forget. I'm sorry to bring it up. After winning those 11 or 13, they're in London. They win that first game in London. Ian Happ hits those two homers against Adam yeah. Wainwright because he owns him. Next day, they get an early lead with Stroman on the mound, and Trey Mancini makes an error at first base that just, like, shifted everything. It's like goes back to, like, what I was saying about how everything is was so high when things were good and so low when things were bad. They go on to lose 7-5 to five to the Cardinals that day. They come back from London, get swept by the Phillies, yeah. and like things are bad again. Like they were, again, there was things were so high or so low. But that error that Trey Mancini made, like I remember the YouTube chat, everyone like blaming Trey Mancini for them getting swept by the Phillies because this everything <laughs> went to shit after that, and it was just like. Why can't this team just kind of not be hot or cold? Like, just be somewhere in the middle. Just win, like, five of eight. Like that. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> but it was a moment that I, you know, it really... It's a moment that people remember. Yeah, and, definitely one that people remember. Um, I, I was going to say, July and August didn't have a whole lot of low points because that was the time when they turned the season around completely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you could say, like, early July was that near comeback against the Guardians mm-hmm. at home that they ended up losing in extras. I was going to say, I said May 18th that the slaughtering the Nationals was a moment that defined the season. May 17th, or um, sorry, not May, July 17th, the day before, was another was a moment that could have defined the season. That's when they lost to the Nationals to open that series, and you're like, literally one more loss, and they're probably selling at the deadline. Yeah, after they lost two or three of the Red Sox, yeah. like the first weekend after the All-Star break. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're literally sitting there on, on July 17th, you're like, uh, they can't lose to the Nationals. They can't lose a series to the Nationals. If they do, mm. this team is toast and they're selling at the deadline. Of course, we know what happened after that. But that was a day where I'm like, I'm sitting there and I'm in the press box like, uh, well, what is this team going to do if they lose another game? Right. Uh, um, so, you know, they're, again, after that game, there really weren't any bad moments the rest of July. You go into August and – The same thing. It was it was they won series after yeah. series. They, they lost a couple games they should have won for sure. Yeah, like, like I look at the Royals and the Tigers series. They won those series, but they easily could have swept mm-hmm. them. And it goes back to, like, they won 83 games. But when – like, they should have easily won 90 games the way that they played in the second half in July and August, right? But because they were so bad in May – they and having to crawl like literally crawl themselves all the way back just to get to 500 they couldn't afford a lot of those losses they had in september that we'll talk about but when i think about some of the more annoying moments of august it's just the fact that they didn't sweep the royals they didn't sweep the tigers they didn't even sweep the pirates even though they dominated the pirates all year yeah um well the white Sox. they lost that one game to the white Sox at home before taking the second one with the morale um, walk-off. Yeah, so I, I, that was a point. I remember we did talk about that. It was like, they can't sweep these teams. Like, they were winning. They, they won, like, eight straight series or something like that. Like, they were doing well, and that obviously helped them get back into the race. But they weren't, like, they couldn't mm-hmm. sweep anyone. They were like, when is this team going to really break out? Right. Eventually did that against the Giants in September, as I mentioned. Like, that was when they got... The twelve games over five hundred, their best yeah. shot well, at a playoff. Even odds. even at the beginning of September, remember they called up Alexander Canario. They had to play that double header, and they didn't play Alexander Canario at all in that game or that that two game like that double header. And it like they easily could have won those games. They they were both of them. They won the first one six to two, I believe. Jordan Wicks started one of these games. Yeah, I think it was that game, and I think it was that one they first. won, and then they lost three to two. I think Leiter blew the game in the ninth inning. Yeah, because, because Alzale was hurt. 
Or was it Adbert blew one, and the next day Mark Leiter blew it? I think is how it went down. You know, they lost two to three in they, that second of the doubleheader, and then they lost two to one the next day against the Reds. Yeah. They like, they won the they end up splitting the series, winning on Sunday the third, winning fifteen to seven. But like those those two games at the beginning of September, uh, when they lost two to one, uh, blowing the game on Sat on that Saturday, and then the second game of that doubleheader, I mean. They, there were one one run losses like that. Honestly, in some form, it was like kind of like signaling yeah. of what was going to happen in September. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we can we, we could sit here and spend a whole hour on, on the <laughs> low moments of September, <laughs> yeah. uh, losing those f- first three or four to the Diamondbacks at home, losing yeah. a series, just in getting Colorado. dominated by the Domi- Lo- Diamondbacks yeah. in general, losing the series in Colorado. It's yeah. just like it felt like a series you absolutely couldn't lose. Losing a series to the Pirates at home, yeah. I believe that spawned the the David Ross like. That uh, that team isn't a good team or something like that. That um, oh yeah, yeah I guess the Pirates like we didn't lose to a good team over there or something like that. But it, was, it spawned that quote. But it was like they lost two or three to the Pirates when they badly needed to win a series. Yeah, and then I mean the Seiya Suzuki the, the, drop ball, the Suzuki drop ball. I mean that, I think that's one of the moments that defines the season. Even though they don't they didn't lose that game because of Seiya Suzuki, they didn't not make the playoffs because of Seiya Suzuki. It's what we all are going to remember. But it is a moment that you you yeah, people remember it. People remember for a while. I feel like when you think of 2023 and the Cubs collapsing and not making the playoffs, like that's just a moment mm-hmm. that sticks out as like a cuz that I mean that if if you if you break it down, the Braves took the lead on that play. Sure, if you want to look at it that way, they lost because Seiya Suzuki didn't catch the ball. It wasn't his fault they lost that game or didn't make the playoffs, but it was a moment that, like, you remember, like, mm-hmm. you're just going to remember about this season that, oh, the Seiya Suzuki catch. People yeah. will remember that one. Unfortunately. Um, and, they, I mean, yeah, just getting swept by the Braves. Um, September 30th. Two games, against, two games against the Braves, at least, where they should have won. They had it. They had it. And, um, they and then I think the lowest of the low points of the season was September 30th being eliminated from the playoffs yeah i would say to me the lowest of low and it's because i was at the game was that second game in arizona when they Mm. lost seven to six uh in extras to the diamondbacks um the ball hit off that ricocheted off hayden wasneski and dansby swanson let the ball drop and he didn't make the out at uh, make the out at first which allowed the diamondbacks i believe to tie the game in extras and then they go on to win in that same inning and there were multiple innings in that game where the cubs could have put on scored more runs and and won by multiple runs i can't even blame the bullpen for that game i remember the bullpen being incredible like marcus stroman came back from injury and came out of the bullpen and and they 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 did everything possible drew smiley came out of the bullpen in that game with bases loaded less than two outs and somehow got out of it to extend the game the offense that's why i've been so high or so big on we need to make the offense better in right now or for next year because like jed hoyer said i think at one point last offseason good teams blow teams out yeah right and the I think the, the, amount story, luck, the amount of luck you yeah. let come into play in, in close the games story like that. of the 2023 cubs was that outside of them being hot or cold but it to me was just like they just didn't get the uh, have a consistent offense to me yeah. and that's they, the story they, of the yeah. 2023 cubs um, yeah but like like i said the low, for me the lowest point for the cubs is to, the being eliminated from the play cuz that's when the season's over I, I get where you're coming from like there were some really bad like heartbreaking losses for the cubs this year for sure but it's like when your season ends it doesn't to me it, you can't get much lower than that when yeah. your season comes to an end 
you, unless you win, unless your season ends and you're the World Series champion, you can't get much lower than that. So yeah. I, I think that last, even though they won that game against Milwaukee, being eliminated from the playoffs that day was the lowest of the lows. And you know, I guess everybody in the chat will tell us this whole offseason so far has been a low point of 2023 <laughs> yeah. because they haven't signed anyone Outside yet. of hiring counsel, right? Yeah. Uh, Listen, Jorge Alfaro, he's going to be a great third backup um, catcher. <laughs> but I, I like this exercise that we did because it just kind of shows you that if you're not a team that's at like the Braves caliber or all these other teams, for, for a Cubs team that we said – was like a 500-ish team on paper with like the ability to go a few games in either direction, which mm-hmm. ended up coming true. Like, I, I think we could have expected the there there to be a lot of high points and a lot of low points for a team that's coming out of a rebuild. You got young players still trying to get their feet wet in the major leagues. You yeah. got some new players as Dansby Swanson and Cody Bellinger joining the lineup. Like, there were going to be some extreme points, and obviously you wanted to limit the extreme low points for sure weren't completely able to do that and didn't make the playoffs but i think you know looking back at the 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 high points the low points the moments that define 2023 just kind of i don't know i think that's for me as in my role like that's the fun of baseball Mm -hmm. is like just seeing seeing the seeing the fans obviously seeing the team the the coaching staff just riding riding the highs and the lows of the season because they you go through them every single year unless you're a team that's going to win 100 plus games and know that you're making the playoffs like you're gonna you're gonna be riding highs and lows throughout a a long Mm. 162 game season so it's always interesting to see what those moments are for sure no yeah i we gotta get out of here so uh we can talk a little bit more about this tomorrow i i wanted to mention a few chats um related to what we're talking about. I was going to say, you're not talking about Fernando's. Did Ryan get any new Hawaiian shirts oh, for Christmas? Did not get any new Hawaiian shirts for Christmas, uh, uh, but those should be coming in the yeah. near future. There was another, there was another uh, chat in here that I wanted to talk about. Um, someone, I can't remember who it was, but they asked what your record was in games you attended. Bruh, <laughs> it, it started bad, and then it got really good, and then it, it, it went it tanked. And the thing was is all of them, the, I, they C lost every single game right I went to. They, they lost every single game I went to in September, man. <laughs> like, you can't keep me out of Wrigley Field. I'm sorry. That, that's why Jed's got to make the team better. So here's the hoping <laughs> that he freaking does it. Um, all right, so we were gonna do like the we were gonna talk about Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo's uh, you know prospect re- predictions for the entire league. He, there was a lot of love for the Cubs in that for 2024. We can do that tomorrow. We're gonna do our bold predictions for next season too tomorrow. Yeah, Jared so, will be here. Yeah, Jared will, Jared Wills will be here. So uh, make sure you tune in with us uh, again. There were a lot of great and bad moments from this year. But hopefully 2024, there are more good than bad. It was a roller coaster of a season for sure. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. It was fun. Yeah. Well, <laughs> for, for year two of CHGO Cubs, I can confidently say it was better than year one. For year two of CHGO Cubs, we had a lot of high points. Absolutely. And not many low points because we love doing what we do. <laughs> Fernando says, I blame Cody for not wearing pants. That's, that's true. <laughs> That didn't help. All right. All of next year, I'll wear pants, guys. I, I, even though I did wear pants, but these even damn in, couches make it look like I wasn't. Even in 100-degree <laughs> weather, you got to wear pants. You all better give me a lot of credit whenever I do that. All right. All right. We'll be back here tomorrow, 120. Thanks for checking out the CHGO Cubs podcast. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye.
Sound City like the mayor. 